Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, ep- season three, episode eight. Well, Nebraska traveled to East Lansing and somehow decided to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, a theme all too all too common with uh, this Nebraska coaching staff and this uh, Nebraska football program. Uh, traveled to East Lansing to take on number 20, Michigan State, and ha- had the control of the entire game. Uh, and managed to lose 20 to 23 in overtime um, in what could be uh, considered a heartbreaking loss. But uh, you can stack that up in uh, a litany of other heartbreaking Husker losses. Um, but, Zach, before we jump into this game, man, how are you doing after this long weekend? I know the Cowboys got a nice victory, uh, but this one uh, this one hurt on Saturday. I mean, Taylor, I, I went through it this weekend. It was uh, from – from start to finish, except for the Cowboys, um, it was it was a struggle. Um, I went to our beloved Southeast Knights game on Thursday night, and they got beat forty-seven to ten. Yeah, by East. By East. So, uh, by the way, the East quarterback should be getting uh, offers ASAP. That guy's a stud. But then um, went ahead and took my brother-in-law with me to my alma mater college team, uh, Wesleyan. They blew a first-half lead and lost the game. Then went on to watch the Huskers. We'll uh, we'll talk about that here soon. That'll be fun. And then, uh, not to mention, my fantasy team just got absolutely demolished. And so, basically, it came down to Monday night for me, and the Cowboys uh, were able to perform successful CPR on me, and I was able to you know squeeze out a little bit of joy from this sport. But it was uh, it was a tough one to go through, and I'm looking forward to um, a new week and hopefully some more than one W out of five possibilities, I guess. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, after uh, Nebraska, you know, managed to break my heart for the 78th time in the last five years. Uh, at 49ers, you know, I had the Sunday night game and uh, looked, you know, spotted the Packers a nice 17-0 lead and managed to reel them all the way back in and scored a touchdown to take the lead with 37 seconds left to go. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, fucking, it's nice to root for a team that, you know, knows what the fuck they're doing and knows how to play football, you know, and, Unfortunately, uh, Packers still got that uh, that other guy on the other side. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, fucking two passes later, doop, 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 fucking game-winning field goal, and my heart's broken for two nights in a row. Um, and unfortunately, I had to stay up a little bit later than usual on, you know, <laughs> to see my 49ers get mm-hmm. fucking beat in heartbreaking fashion. You know, Sunday night, those games don't end till you know, what, 10, 10, 30 at night. So, uh, yeah, I stayed up past my bedtime to uh, watch my 49ers break my heart. So it was a rough a weekend, just an emotional weekend for myself. Um, um, but you know, let's get back to the, uh, you know, item at hand here, the, the beloved corn huskers. Do we uh, have to, do we have to? Yeah. I mean, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, it's been hot this week. Uh, I mean, to, to you know, make you feel else? a little better, to make you feel better, Aaron Rodgers had done that to the Cowboys twice, but both of those times were in the playoffs. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, Death I mean, he tends it. to do that to people, you know, he tends, to, I just really wanted it for my boy, Jimmy G, you know, it, it's, you know, the 49ers and the, and the Cornhuskers are kind of, you know, similar in the set that, um, 
the quarterback, you know, is the fan base is split like 50-50. A lot of people are hating on Jimmy G, even though he has the second best starting record of anybody in NFL quarterback-wise. Um, and to see him lead that uh, fourth quarter game-winning drive through a game-winning touchdown, I just really wanted it for him because obviously all, a lot of 49er fans are clamoring for the rookie to get in, which obviously, you know, when you draft somebody third overall and trade away three first-round picks, you know, uh, the writing's on the wall as far as what's going to happen. But uh, I'm a Jimmy G guy, um, so I'd like to see him succeed. And, you know, it's kind of the same way with the Nebraska fan base that, you know, some people with Adrian Martinez like, well, yeah, he did everything right until till the very end. It's like, I mean, well, we wouldn't have been there. It. We wouldn't have been in that yeah, spot. Exactly. It's like we wouldn't have. We, yeah, exactly. It would have just been a fucking 13 to nothing game because we wouldn't have scored any points. Defense would have held other held Michigan State to 13 and we would have lost 13 to nothing. So the guy's, you know, running for his life the whole whole game. And yeah, unfortunately, he made a made a mistake down, uh, you know, in overtime there, which. Overtime really seems to be Nebraska's real. Just, you know, I think there was some stat that said, you know, in 10 overtime or 10 overtime games, Nebraska hasn't scored a point, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. I thought the play calling was a little suspect, um, especially that that final play, the interception, you know, called the the double slants. And to tell you the truth, neither neither of the guys were open. A lot of people were saying they should have hit uh, Omar Manning on the on the first slot or on the first slant. But I'm not so sure. The, I'm sorry, they I'm not pretty locked up. I'm not so sure Torrey ran a great route either. He didn't run a route. He was literally jogging because he, I, I don't know he if he kind didn't of think he was getting the ball or he kind of hesitated before he he cut upfield. But it was it yeah. was like a deeper slant. I I don't think he uh, Martinez was expecting Torrey to to take it that deep. And not to mention when you run a slant and you're tr- and the guy's playing you close like that, you kind of you have to make some sort of move or some sort of like step in the other direction to get him off off his you know base and then make your cut and it just se- seemed like it was kind of a lazy route but it was a, it was a very lazy route and that's that's just probably me um backing up no. Martinez too but I I, no, I, no, I, I watched it close and somebody else said that and so I I watched it again even closer and I was like yeah I mean he kind of half-assed that route yeah the, I mean it he absolutely half-assed it I mean the first thing you're doing as you a receiver running a slant round is one you can't get beat across your face mm-hmm. so you want to get your shoulders turned and get your numbers pointed back at the quarterback that way you're shielding the defender between you and the quarterback or between the quarterback and him so you've got your shoulders turned your jersey number should be facing back to your quarterback and Tory ran a ran a you know a shitty route and it wasn't even shitty it was just a non full speed route like mm-hmm. I don't know if he didn't think the ball was coming to him or or what, but uh, it wasn't his best showing um, as far as route running. We all know him to be a pretty decent route runner, so that's why it was a little shocking. But, um, yeah, and I, when that happened, I thought they were going to return it, and I was just like, well, and that's perfect way to end the fucking game, you know, and just <laughs> fucking pick six in overtime. And then Martinez just, uh, one last sacrifice his body. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, you know, that obviously that's how the game ended, but um, – to start the game, you know, the defense came out as always. Um, you know, going into this game, Michigan State's running back, uh, Kenneth Walker, was the number one rusher in the country. So we knew that beating Michigan State was going to start with uh, stopping the run game. And, uh, well, the defense, once again, uh, showed up, shirt, shirt up their tackling. Obviously, last week we talked about they had some missed tackles, especially kind of in the hole between Reimer and he- uh, Heinrich. But, uh, those guys came and played really well today. Defensive line was blowing people up. Um, Damian Daniels, uh, I just can't say enough about how how well this guy has played. I mean, he's been in the system for a while, and he's been 
a uh, a rotational player for for the years he's been here, but uh, he has really taken that next step. And then um, our boy from Mold Scott's Bluff is uh, just playing out of his mind right now. You can just see how much that guy wants it. Um, uh, Nelson just guys is playing really well, along with the whole whole defense. Um, the corners and the safeties are playing playing well. Linebackers running, tackling well. It's just. Um, I just really, my heart hurts for those guys on defense. Um, and to tell you the truth, I don't know how those guys, you know, you know, look their offensive players in the eyes and, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, you give up what, uh, 21 points last week. Cause 23, 23, two is from a uh, kick, you know, a return from a uh, PAT or whatever. So you give up 21 points last week to the number three team on the road and you travel the number 20 team, shut the number one running back down in the country and only give up um, 16 points because obviously uh, seven of it was a uh, uh, punt return or seven of it was a punt return for a touchdown, which we'll obviously get into that earlier. But Zach, what's your thoughts on just how this defense is playing and how, how you would be feeling towards your offensive teammates if, uh, if you were on that side of the ball? If I'm if I'm Damian Daniels, if I'm Garrett Nelson, if I'm Luke Reimer, if I'm Jojo Doman, if I'm Deontay Williams – um, even, I mean, I'll, I'll even throw in Cam Taylor brick cause he's been a part of this defense for so long. I'm going, I I'm going to ask our, uh, I'm going to ask Shenander to offset meetings and I'm going to sit behind every one of those offensive linemen in meetings and make sure that they better be paying good goddamn attention to what's being told to them. I'm going to be taking an extra interest in them in practice. I'm going to be letting them know that guys, this is a team sport. And, right. you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that the defense is doing their job and the offense, you know, aside from a couple guys who are just making ballsy plays out there and doing literally everything they can right. for us. Um, it's got to be frustrating. And and the same thing goes for those punters and the, and the return oh game. My goodness. They need to be in those meetings, just breathing down their necks saying, you guys got that. Did you, did you hear that? Did you, did, do you understand this? Is this going to be right. fixed? because we need it to be fixed. We are giving everything we have out there and it's just it's it's more than enough to have us 5 and 0, 5 and 0 right now. And because of all these stupid ass mishaps, we're looking at yeah. 2 and 3, which is just a complete nightmare. I woke up Sunday morning and I was like, there is no way we lost that game. And here we are. It's just those guys are just playing such good football and all of them are making plays, you know, whether it's separately or collectively like you know ty ty robbins had a good play one time cam taylor Britt was on coverage a couple times really good deontay mm-hmm. williams always is out there i mean you said it garrett nelson and luke reimer might have had as one of his best games as a husker and i mean he's the clear and and we didn't even mention one guy nick heinrich he's really yes. coming into a solid middle linebacker guy for us that that has a bright future and and you know he's being thrust into all these big time situations against these you know, challenges on offense, whether it's and Spencer Rat- well. yeah, and, and Spencer Rattler with, with that offense that we talked about last week, and then the number one running back and or number one rusher in the country this week. I mean, they're they're answering all the calls and they're doing enough and much, much more to have us in these games and other facets of the game are really letting them down. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kenneth Walker, the Michigan State running back, came into the game averaging uh, over eight yards per carry, and we held him to under three and would have been just about two yards, um, but he had a a 21-yard run there in overtime. But 
uh, during regulation, he was, you know, he wasn't getting anything there. I don't know if he had to run over four yards. Like he, the defense line was dominating the offensive line and the linebackers were making plays. Um, and then the corners, uh, you know, there's that play where Cam Taylor Brett came up and set, he didn't make the play himself, but he came up and set the edge really well, kept his outside arm free, you know, and just played good sound technique defense. And you're not always going to make the play, but you're going to make the play for for your teammate to come up and make the play, you know, like Cam Taylor Brett coming up and setting the edge and keeping the running back from going outside. It's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but um, you know, he's the one that actually made the play, gave his linebacker a chance to come up and make the tackle. So um, just playing great, great team defense. Um, you know, um, you, we, we kind of talked about last week, um, obviously special teams, we talk about it every week, but um you know, I don't even know if I want to start there yet because that's just, it's just fucking, I mean, the special teams, honestly, they're, they're on the short bus. Okay. They're, they're on the short bus. Um, we all know that. I don't know how much we can beat, beat that, uh, dead horse, but, uh, you know, back to, I want to go back to the offense, um, for the second game in a row, um, the offense line decided to come out and, um, you know, can't figure out a fucking snap count. Um, which once again, we're not playing, you know, at Wisconsin or at Penn state or at Ohio state or in one of these, you know, intimidating uh, stadiums where it's loud and you can't hear the snap count. This is Michigan state. There was, there was, I don't know, an extra 20,000 seats open there. So noise is not a factor. Oklahoma was a relatively quiet stadium for how big it is. And once again, two false starts on the opening drive. And, you know, at this point, you have to ask yourself is how bad is the, the backup offensive lineman? I mean, how, how bad do you have to be where the guy is in front of you continually fuck up, not only mentally, but then, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing when you fuck up mentally, it's like, okay, you've done it continuously. That's, you know, one thing, but then, then you go ahead and get your ass beat physically too. It's like, Oh, you can't just fuck up mentally. No. When the, when you actually do get the snap count, right. You go ahead and get fucking manhandled. Um, just, it's just it's just mind-boggling, and you have to think, you know, what what's the deal with these backup? Where's where's Brock Bando at? Where where are these other guys at um, that are the uh, backup offensive linemen? Because it's you can't you honestly can't be any worse than our right tackle is. I mean, he is as bad as it gets. Bryce Benhart is as bad as football player as you're going to see. And you know what? Frost was talking about. Oh, I want to see my team look like an all Big Ten. It's like, okay, you got it. He looks. He looks like a fucking, you know, a Big Ten player. He's fucking 6'8", 330 pounds, and can't play worth a fucking lick. So is that worth it? Is it fucking having the guy be 6'8", and 330 pounds, and can't block a goddamn soul out there? Is that worth it? Is that, oh, because he looks the part? That that's, should make us feel better because, you know, he went out and recruited all these tall-ass linemen. He's like, oh, we're averaging 6'5", 320 pounds across the line. It's like, and they're a bunch of bitches. Okay. And, and not to mention Bryce Benton. Outside of Cam Jurgens. Once once yes. again, I'm yes. referencing outside of Cam Jurgens. We, we, we still got you, Cam. We still got you, Cam. Right. Not to mention uh Bryce Benhart was a few skill players away from being a five star out of high school. Right. Another he, guy on the other side, Cochran, he was the thirty seventh ranked player in the country. Is that almost who I'm thinking a five star? Is that who I'm thinking uh, of? He played in the all American game. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. Yes, Cochran, uh, Turner Cochran. Yeah, he's, he's getting whipped just as bad. They're both are both our tackles. They're talking about moving the guys, moving uh, Cochran inside. But it's like, I mean, it, I just I can't understand how how these guys can beat so bad. And just Adrian's out there running for his life, and his best plays are coming. 
I mean, what he had that what uh, forty-five yard run after he had a free rusher come at him, made him miss, broke that tackle, made another guy miss in the backfield, and then ran for forty-five yards and, and it's held like, himself up with the football. Exactly, and they're like, "Oh, great play!" And then, but it's really like, "Oh no, it's a fucking horrendous play that you know he had to do all that." And People I, I want to complain about his game. I know we're on the offensive line right now, but also to to give Martinez credit that people don't know is uh, I think his first touchdown step went the wrong way on that play. Correct. Yes, he did. He had he had to to adapt and just make a play on his own and just use his athleticism. And people want to just bag on Martinez all the time, but look closer. Look right. what what the real issue is. This guy is out there doing everything he can and. He's just getting let down left and right. It's like, can we have our D-line just come and play O-line for a while? We'll keep Cam in there in the middle. Put Damian Daniels in there at guard and uh, what's his name? The guy that threw him down at the other guard. And then you can put whoever else. I mean, they can't do any worse, can they? You cannot do any worse. I mean, these guys are getting beat. You can beat off the ball immediately. I mean, they're not even getting their hands on the defensive linemen. I mean, it's just it's as bad as can be. And you know, obviously, not a lot of people pay attention to line play, and that's honestly not what I'm watching while I'm watching the game live. But you go back and you see clips, and you're just like, he didn't even get his fucking hands up. I mean, didn't even get out of his stance. I mean, you saw the you saw the thing last game where we had two fucking offensive linemen laying on top of each other, and it's just. You know, the guys don't even need to blitz. That's that's the uh, concerning part. It's not like we're getting blitzed to death. It's They're just beating us with four-man fronts. It, uh, and then Shitterman, or Shitterman, I'll just call him that. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, but um, works for me. Yeah, it works for me too. Um, there's a couple plays where the play comes to an end, obviously in the backfield, and he's literally turned around watching it happen in the backfield. I mean, yeah. I mean, what were you out there doing? Like, I mean, it's just – it's mind boggling that these guys are so bad and, mm. and you these got, are highly recruited guys. Those are two four-star tackles, yeah. two highly ranked four-star tackles that we have starting out there for us that ain't worth a shit. And then again, back to Martinez too. It's like, you wonder why he's got happy feet or his throws are off sometimes is because right. there is no consistency to that, to that pocket. Um, and we talked about it last week when he's able to sit, sit in there comfortably in the pocket and deliver the ball it gets to where it needs to go, but when he it's closing in on him every time, and not to mention you're playing with a broken jaw probably or a fra- whatever he had. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah, oh, he's, God, he's gonna. Sorry, go. Um, yeah, I almost forgot about that part. That obviously that was the start of the game. Was uh, I think the third play of the game on the first possession? Um, Adrian took a shot, took the helmet up underneath the chin, up to the chops, and uh, you know had to go out first a series. I don't know if he went in the the locker room and got stitches in his chin or if he bit a piece off of his tongue or lost a tooth, but um, he had to come out for a series and Logan Smothers got in there and Logan Smothers is a guy that um, during the spring preview, um, we dogged him. We dogged him out. We, you know, this guy fucking, this guy ain't it. We dogged him out. Um, Logan Smothers looks pretty, pretty decent. You know, I mean, obviously he's, he's, he deserves the backup. But he's a, uh, he's a little raw. He's a little raw. He's a little raw still, but he's definitely a lot better than we gave him credit for after the spring game, that open practice where, and frankly, he didn't look very good, but, yeah. um, and he's and a cool this, customer. Mop too. Up, oh, he's very decisive. Like, yeah, he's not, he's not questioning out there what he sees. Like he's, he's knowing what he's seeing and he's making the decision right mm-hmm. away. 
He had that one good ball that he threw to uh, Xavier Betts that just sailed a little bit, but he's trying to drop it in the coverage between the linebacker and the safety. So it's a, I mean, it's a very hard touch throw to make. And, um, but no, he looks, he looks like a guy we should have his back. You know, a guy that's not quite ready to start, but you can see progress from him and you can see, you know, flashes from him. So uh, Logan Smothers looked, looked good in his uh, little bit of duty. Um, Adrian came in back after that, but um, there's a stat here that, you know, Nebraska, Adrian dropped back 47 times uh, against Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State only blitzed them four times. So blitz is considered five or more rushers. So anything that's not a blitz, it's just either a three-man or a four-man rush. And they were able to get, on 47 dropbacks, they were able to get 28 pressures and seven sacks. Um, so just, I mean, just do the numbers here. So if you have four defensive linemen and five offensive linemen, sometimes six, um, including a tight end or a back that's, you know, helping chip or whatever, that those numbers just ain't going to get it done. Um, and, you know, so I'm just jumping around here. I'm just going to just talk how it comes to me. Um, you know, so after the game, you know, Frost did his usual. Um, you know, this would have been a game that I I would like to see in Frost, um, you know, have one of those like uh, Herm Edwards moments or the, uh, the dude from the coach, uh, the Colts coach, you know, Hello, you play to win the game, you know. I can like a really like go in there and raise hell, maybe smack over the mic or something. And you know, the first thing he comes in is just you know pointing the blame at the players, you know, which is fine. You know what? Which is absolutely fine to uh, you know call the players out, you know, place some blame on them. Um, at what point are you gonna fucking call your coaches out? At what point yeah. are you gonna say, you know, Greg Austin, you ain't fucking getting it done? Uh, you know, hey Mario Verduzco, you ain't getting it done. Ryan Held, you ain't getting it done. At one point, especially Greg Austin, you're in charge of the offensive line. Greg Austin, former Nebraska offensive lineman, uh, that's now our offensive line coach, came in here highly touted. We gave him a raise this this offseason, you know, gave him an extra title to give him some more money as a run game coordinator along with offensive line coach. I mean, at what point, if you can call out the goddamn players, you can call out your fucking coaches. Um, and it's just it's just maddening, it, you know. It, you would just one like to hear some some eye some eye could have did this better the play calling overtime complete complete dog shit um, the you know the lack of the rotation of the offensive players you use has no rhyme or reason all of a sudden you just see you know Brody Belt in there let's hey you know what he hasn't played all day I've got this play on third down for fucking Brody Belt to go deep it's like well, I mean what what the fuck is this man you know we talked about uh, at nauseum the running back rotation. Um, it seems that that's kind of sorted itself out. Ramirez kind of, uh, I guess, separated itself um, in the running back room. But then, you know, at tight end and, you know, like I said, you got Brody Belt coming in here just out of nowhere and running plays for him too. Um, just, I don't know. Zach, what do you feel about, you know, his demeanor and how he handles these post-game press conferences and just press conferences in general? Because at one point, I just stopped watching him because, you know, he's not going to give us anything. He's usually going to lie to us and not take any accountability. And that's basically been his MO. Yeah, um, I, I'm the same. T- for a long time, I haven't watched him just because they are they are kind of painful to go through. Um, but I think a lot of the reason for that is because you you do see the disgust in his, in his face and his mannerisms and everything. And you, you, you got to think he's he's very frustrated. But I didn't think you were going to go to where you did with the assistant coaches because I do kind of like that. And I thought he was completely warranted in what he said about some of the players because 
he said these these punters are on campus to kick the damn ball. Right. And I mean, you can you can coach him up and tell him to kick it downfield till you're blue in the face and practice all you want, but when they go out there and they kick it seven yards down the field, or <laughs> when you tell them to kick it to the right side of the field and you kick it to the guy on the left with nothing but green in front of him, right. it's it's got to drive you up the wall. And, you know, for Frost, at that point, call him out, man. Because, yeah. I mean, I could go out there. I'm, I, and I'm no athlete anymore, but I could go out there and kick the football 35 yards down the field. I, I, and, yeah, ahead, and, and even in college, we, we had a, um, a play spread right wide 85 or spread right wide pooch kick. Do you know what a pooch kick is? Most people yes. do that watch football. It's when the quarterback kicks the ball. Yes. Um, you line up seven yards behind the center and shotgun instead of five, and you try to catch the defense sleeping and you kick it down the field and try to pin them. I did that several times. It's not hard to kick the football guys. I mean, yeah. And you kicked it seven yards, and then you're told to kick it to one side of the field, and you kick it to the other. I mean, hell, you could have kicked it to the middle, and we would have been fine. But it went all the way. Anywhere where, but you did. Yeah. And then on top of that, he uh, who else did he call out? Um, I think the offensive lineman, because guys, I mean, oh yeah, for the snap count issues. Yeah, yeah. You can't. He he said, I can't go out there and stay still for you. And I thought that was funny because, I mean, it's true. Like, you just – you have to know the situation. You have to understand the the game and know how much that kills you. Because we we not only false started twice in a row once, we did it twice this game. Right. And so it's just – it's little things like that where I think he's just kind of at his, at his wit's end. And it's like I don't know what else to do, man. I'm, and, yeah, and maybe, maybe it is time to start – start looking at the, those assistant coaches and like, guys, what are we doing in practice? And then right. you come out and you have the offensive lineman say, oh, Frost has been uh, been on top of uh, the offensive lineman um, <laughs> Monday practice. Well, at least you didn't say it wasn't the best practice in the world because I couldn't, yeah. have, I couldn't have handled that. But, I, I mean, you know, maybe – I don't know. I, it's, I, I feel I do like as much as their negativity goes towards Scott Frost – I, I just I'm starting to feel bad for him because it's like these these things and I know he could a lot of this could have been avoided with a special teams coach. I know that's you know obviously the the real deal here, but Jesus man, just kick the ball! Like what are we? What are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm th- I'm thinking that uh, Adrian needs to be the punter. Yeah, he's punted the he's punted the ball before. Um, one because you're going to give the defense they're going to have to stay basically in their base defense. Um, you know, cause he's going to have the threat to obviously run a play or whatever. Um, but I think he should start kicking the ball, uh, just for reference here. Uh, Nebraska is averaging uh, 32 yards per punt. Um, the average in D one is 48 yards. The average for high school is 35 yards. So right now Nebraska is kicking the ball on average less than your high school team. So with your local Friday night lights game. Um, you're going to see better kickers than what's going on out there for Nebraska. Also, um, one other one other one to add to that, and it's not kicking wise, but it's return wise. We don't have yeah, a we I'm don't have a we don't have a punt return. Uh, uh, we don't have a punt returner that's averaging over 1.1 yards per punt return. Right. Um, you know, so just one more last thing on this press conference. You know, Scott, why he was uh, you know criticizing the punter. You know, he said at some point 
you know, you need guys to do what you brought them into this school and into this program to do, you know, kickball. Look in the mirror. And, well, well, Scott, <laughs> Scott. Hey, Scott, uh, we brought you in to win football games and paid you $5 million a year. It's time for you to start doing what the fuck we brought you here to do and stop pointing the blame on everybody else, okay? You act like the punter is the only person that was brought in here to do a job. You were brought in here to do a job and fucking paid handsomely to do it. And you're going down as you have the worst record, second worst record percentage wise of any coach in Nebraska history. So when you come out and say that, just like, why don't you take a look in the goddamn mirror? Pot, meat, kettle. Okay. When you say we brought somebody in here to do a job and they're not doing the job, look in the fucking mirror. Okay. Because you're, you're the biggest example of it. You were brought in here to change the culture, to change the program and to win football games. And so far you've done neither of them. Okay. So why you want out here criticizing everybody, start criticizing your goddamn self. Cause it's a fucking pathetic, you know, team that you put out on the field. Like there's no discipline. The penalties are outrageous and you can't win a close game. So it's just, you know, Pop meat kettle, Scott. So yeah, maybe maybe all the offensive coaches should go and sit in on a defensive meeting and see how they're running that room because that seems yeah. to be doing pretty damn good. And it's been on a constant upward trajectory since Shenander got here. And that guy is living up to or exceeding expectations, and so is most of his staff. And offense, we were promised one thing, and we are not getting this that. This is thing. not it. This is not it. Scott is averaging uh, 18 points per game against Power 5 teams this year. 18 points. Scott Frost the, had the number one off, offense at U, UCF his last year there. The number one offense in the country, averaging 58 points per game. He is averaging this year 18 points per game against Power 5 teams. He has not beat a Power 5 team yet this season, and he's putting up 18 points per game. It's, I mean, come on, man. Come on, you you gonna call people out? Call your goddamn self out. And you know, sorry, I'm keep harping on this press conference. And Zach, I know you hate this aspect of life, but you know, sometimes I wish that it was kind of like, um, polit- the politics. You know, like the uh, the press secretary, how they have you know the Republican guys in there fucking grilling her and asking her hard questions, and shit. Sometimes I wish we just had like an Iowa you know reporter in there, someone to ask him some real fucking serious look in the mirror questions because. Oftentimes he's just getting layups and, you know, softball questions. And then they go write about him terribly in the papers or on their blog or on their podcast. It's like, why don't you guys say some of this shit to his face? I mean, you know, you guys just ask a question and just let him get away with it. You know, it's like, oh, I'll, yeah, we had to we had to scrap half the playbook. Oh, OK, Scott, is that normal? I'll uh, one no, up, no, yeah. usually, I'll, OK, no big deal. So let's move on. No big deal here. The five million dollar coach a year just said he scrapped half his playbook because there's an extra down lineman. No problem, Scott. Let's move on. I'll one up you. How about we um, allow some of these Twitter keyboard warriors to uh, to be able to get on camera and ask them some some real questions? Oh my lord! I, would, I mean, I've, Iowa's bad, but that would be even worse. Yeah, it, honestly, it should be. It's like yeah, this is a state program. It's a state school. Fucking, you know. Hey, let's take some questions from the audience here. Mm-hmm. Just hey, hey, Scott, uh, how would you rate your you know your career here at Nebraska so far, coaching wise? How would you grade it? F. It's got to be an F, you know? So, all right, I digress on that issue. Um, I, you know, it, in all honesty, I thought there was going to be a chance that we are going to be having a press conference Monday morning talking about, uh, you know, Scott Frost being relieved of his duties. Um, it, like, honestly, that's how bad of loss that I thought that that was on Saturday. Um, and not that it's just – if you just take that one loss on its, on its face by itself, but it's just the – how it's exactly how it's been for four years under him. I mean, 
it's you see, I mean, the UFC fired their coach after two games this season. Okay, you know, like and it's people were people were getting canned left and right, and you know, for the 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 fans that say, oh, you can't you can't keep firing coaches and find success, it's like it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter how many you have to go through. Okay, if it's wrong, it's wrong. It can't you know? get any you worse than stay, this. You don't just stay with you you know a girlfriend or a wife because you know you've been divorced twice. It's like you know what, I'm not happy here. This isn't working out. You fucking move on. You know. You got to take each one individually. You can't just say, well, we've had three coaches the last 10 years and say that's the reason we got to keep them. That's not a reason to keep somebody. And then people say, well, we've seen the improvement. And then you, then they start talking about the defense side of the ball. It's like, is he a defensive coach? So the coach, everybody wants to talk about seeing progress, but it's only on the defensive side. So it's just, I don't know, man. It just, I don't think he's the guy for the job. I don't think he has the mentality to be a head coach. He doesn't have the maturity to be a head coach. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't have the in-game coaching ability to be a head coach. Let me ask he's, you. He's probably a great number two. Let me ask you something, though. Shoot. Let's say we get Northwestern Saturday. Okay. Uh, we get Purdue. We get Minnesota. And then we get either Iowa or Wisconsin. We get to six wins. That what what did you say? We got Northwestern. So that takes us to three and three. You need three more wins. Then yep. who did you say? Purdue. Minnesota, Purdue. And either Iowa or Wisconsin, which I still think we're going to get one of them. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the that's the basement. So if I mean, we if we get to six and six and we go to a bowl game, how let's fast forward. How would you feel about it? I would feel that for me to, and I'm just fucking some guy talking into Mike in his basement drinking a Coors Light. <laughs> I would feel that he would still need to make changes on the coaching staff and not just one, two to three coaching changes on staff for me to feel good about the situation. Um, you know, if we can get to six wins, you know, fine, you know, keep, keep them around. But um, there's gotta be some changes made on this coaching staff, man. It just, you can't, you can't continually have, especially just, just adding a special teams coordinator. Like you don't need a quarterback coach, Scott, when you're the damn quarterback coach, you don't need to go hire a second guy to do it. Or you don't need to have, yeah. you know, a hot, you you have to have an offense coordinator, but it's like you're calling plays. So there's a lot of overlap here. And then you have a run game coordinator. It's like, so you have a offensive coordinator, a run game coordinator and a quarterback coach, but really you're doing all three of those. So one of those guys, two of those guys probably don't need to fucking be around. So it's changes need to be made no matter what. Say we fucking went out for the rest of the season. We beat everybody else on our schedule and went out. Changes still need to be made to that coaching staff. And I I, I think it start, it's got to start. If, if Frost wants to stay for the long term and he wants to actually do something here, his offense is based 100% on the quarterback play. And the way Martinez has played this year and in his career under Frost – he has not really necessarily become a better passer. It starts with no. Reduceco. That's the that's the first assistant that needs to go because we need a quarterback guy that can come in here and develop and make our quarterbacks better. And right. it's it's we're not we haven't seen any change in Martinez mechanics over the last four years. Um, he he's just he went from an elite freshman who was making all plays all, all over the field to kind of dealing with injuries and then um, bulked up too much and couldn't do, couldn't play his game. Now he's kind of in his like comfort zone of where he's at as an athletic quarterback. This is, right. this is what you get 
at peak Martinez right now. But unfortunately, we, we, he doesn't have the help around him. But if we had a very, very good offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach, because that's the way it should be, um, I don't know. I, I think that it would it would make a big difference. Also, offensive line, as you know, anybody who knows football knows that the offense starts with the offensive line. Right. And I, I said it a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Typically, under Greg Austin, the offensive line has gotten better as the year progresses. That couldn't be farther from the truth this year. Correct. And so, yeah, it's time it's time to make a t- time to make a move here uh, on that on that position. Richie Incognito, <laughs> Richie. I mean, you you want these guys to be badasses. You want them to play mean and and right. hungry football. I mean, yeah. I know he's not a great role model by any means, but a guy like that that's going to come and bring just a little extra edge, a little extra fire, a little extra whatever we need. That's the guy that's. I mean, an offensive line coach is basically just a promoted strength and conditioning coach with with a little technique. Uh, uh, knowledge and so I mean, if we can get somebody like that to to, that's all we need because Ramir Johnson is a very capable running back. It seems all of a sudden, and with yes, a good is. offensive line and what Martinez can do with his feet, and then with some time in the pocket, God, I mean, that just makes a huge difference. Yeah, and you know, so back, uh, let's get away from the coach and staff and the the shit. Let's get back to the actual gameplay. Um, you know, we, we talked about how Nebraska's defense was, uh, you know, shutting the number one rusher and, uh, in the country down, um, just handcuffed him, you know, getting less than three yards, getting absolutely nothing, keep, keeping him all bottled up by keeping everything inside, keeping those outsides contained. Um, and then they, their one big play was the, the flea flicker. And as soon as that play happened, you know, I was, I, the people I was watching with, I go, that tells me that. He doesn't feel his, his normal offense can do anything, so he's going to trick plays already. So he goes to the flea flicker, and I think Newsom either slipped or fell or or just got beat. I think he tripped up a little bit, but um, got beat deep. And that was uh, Michigan State's lone touchdown regulation. And then, mind you, a little deja vu here. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. <laughs> that, was the, uh, that was the play that blo- broke the uh, Colorado, um, the Nebraska at Colorado game open back when Mel Tucker was the head coach of Colorado when Nebraska was up. 17 nothing at halftime and they hit us with a 99 yard flea flicker that kind of flipped the game and changed the momentum of the game and we ended up losing that game too in overtime um so now that's two times that mel tucker has hit us with the flea flicker and beat us in overtime um we've talked about it in previous episodes of just the lack of uh the trick play we haven't <laughs> we haven't had one trick play under Scott Frost in the Scott Frost era. We haven't had a fake field goal, a fake, you know, fake punt, a, uh, a flea flicker, a triple reverse option pass. You know, like we don't see – we see very little creativity out of uh, out of this coaching staff, to say, to say the least. So um, – but, you know, all of that, we go into the locker room after a seven-yard punt where we thought Michigan State could, uh, you know, get it at least another field goal or a touchdown – uh, we go into the locker room down only 13 to 10. So you're pr- feeling pretty decent about it. Um, and then the defense uh, decides to just go into bully ball. Um, they gave up a total of five yards in the second half and zero first downs. So when you, as a defense, give up five yards and zero first downs and a half of football and you still lose, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow. Um, the defense just, just 
just put the clamps on him, just playing so well. And that's what I was talking about, just the mentality of this defense and just that kind of letdown when you're playing at such a high elite level and the other side of the ball and I guess the other other side of the ball, the special teams, is just playing at an all-time low. Um, it's just it would be hard for I would have been okay if I would have heard some of the teammates call call out the other teammates, honestly, at this point. Like it it's it's it, sometimes it needs to be done. Sometimes you need to hear it from your peers. And that's not to say that they're not hearing it behind closed doors in the locker room. Clearly the offense line knows that they're getting their ass beat and they're fucking pathetic. And clearly the punter knows he ain't worth a shit. Um, Colt, you know, has been getting his, uh, his runs here and uh, bounce back, had a decent game and, and by a decent game, just came out and did his fucking job, did nothing spectacular, but didn't do anything to real, get you beat real quick about Colt. This guy makes a 25 yard field goal in the first half <laughs> and comes out and is smiling on the sideline. Like he is Justin Tucker on Sunday. Yep. I yep. mean, you six yard game winner. <laughs> You come off and you just are got the biggest shit eating grin on your face for a 25 yard field goal. And it, maybe it was a little sarcasm because he's been struggling. And if that's the case, fine, I'll take that. But all right, just act like you've been there, man. You were, you were quote unquote the Big Ten kicker of the year last year. I don't know how, but um, <laughs> you were. And so let's not, let's not get too excited over a, a sub 30 field goal, but go on. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, so, um, you know, Nebraska shuts shuts them out in the second half, holds them to five points, no first downs. Uh, Nebraska was able to get the uh, touchdown with about six minutes to go. A uh, little the Adrian Martinez uh, touchdown. We ran it in. Um, that was a great so, call, by the way. Yeah, so we get the ball. So it's 20 to 13 now uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter, and it's about just under six minutes to go. And Nebraska's defense comes out and forces another three and out. And at this point, you're like, Oh shit, you know, like this is, you know, you go into what every team ha- calls your four minute offense where you're grinding, you're grinding out the, you know, a lot of run, little play action, just trying to grind the game out. And, uh, Brasso went three and out themselves. And, uh, that's when the infamous punt, you know, happened where, you know, the kicker was called a, uh, a left, you know, punt left or whatever and pin them. So you have your whole punt coverage going to one side of the field. And as you heard Scott Frost allude to in his press conference, he missed his uh, mark by 40 yards. Even Garrett, <laughs> so. Nel- even Garrett Nelson said it in his press conference that guy was supposed to kick it to the to the right. He kicked it to the left. Where were you standing yeah. on the sideline, Garrett? Right by where he was running by me for a touchdown. <laughs> like, <damn>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, if uh, you could see they showed uh, Adrian Martinez uh, going into commercial break uh, as that punt returns being returned for a touchdown. And it was just the – it was uh you got to be fucking kidding me. Like it was the like I've done so much to get us in this position to win the game and you got to be fucking kidding me that you just let a punt return go for a touchdown. And mind you that was the first punt return for a touchdown Michigan State's had in 10 years. So it's not like they're a uh, big time special teams beamer ball, you know, Virginia Tech uh Special teams. Uh, it wasn't Dewan uh, Gross out there or DPE. Exactly. It wasn't some yeah, exactly. It wasn't Devin Hester back there. Yeah. So um, and then, you know, for another, you know, kick in the teeth, uh, their special teams coordinator is uh, Ross L. is a uh, Lincoln, Nebraska native. So just and, a uh, former. The the boy, our boy, he, uh, he he sent him a text message before the game talking shit to him. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. So, well, I mean, that's, that's the game in a nutshell. Uh, offense line getting whipped. 
special teams at an all-time low. And so I might just take this sound bite and rinse and repeat it for the, you know, the previous, the next episodes, because that's been, uh, that's been the whole season so far. It's been uh, special teams and offensive line, just, just really letting, letting the team down, letting the team down, letting the state down. So and one thing, there's actually two things I wanted to add before we, we wrap up here. One thing is the running backs. Um, step has taken a misstep somewhere. Um, because he, one, he, uh, ran the wrong way where Martinez picked him up and scored the touchdown. The other play that, uh, the other ugly play, he got, got a, got the ball and just ran into the back of his offensive lineman. I mean, are his eyes closed? Like, right. And, and so he, he didn't get many stats again. He didn't get any last week. Um, and then, um, what was the, what was the other one? Um, Shit. Uh, the oh, okay. Where was Xavier Betts in the second half? He was hurt. Uh, he was hurt. hurt. Um, and all everybody's fucking hurt. Where's Oliver Martin been? We uh, have our we have our quarterback go out in the first series of the game, potentially broken jaw, whatever it might have been. All the things that you said before. He is back on that field faster than he. I mean, all he wanted to do was go in there, get checked out, go through the concussion shit, and then get back on the field. He's right. a warrior. And we have these guys that just, they get hurt. And it wasn't anything apparent, obviously. He, he wasn't, like, down on the field. He didn't get taken off, you know. We just, it's just defense, like we've said, defense is just doing everything they can. And the offense just seems like they're just a bunch of pussies. Like, you got to go out there. I mean, Betts, you're, in the first half, you looked like the feature receiver for our offense. Yeah, Like, we five, need you out there, yards. man. We need you out there. And – what I, I just don't get it. Like, why don't these guys want to play? These guys have to want it more than we want it for them. And until that starts happening, it's going to be the same old thing because it just it, no one out there outside of Adrian and Cam Jurgens look like they fucking on offense really want it. Like, really, in Austin Allen, really want to, you yeah. know, fucking give their bodies up for this team and for this program because everybody else is just out there playing football when you're just te- playing. Terrible football. When your teammates see that, I, I, maybe I'm I'm wrong because they see Martinez doing everything they can, getting hurt, coming back in, doing everything he can. But when they see that, they rally around you. I mean, I I, right. I don't think I've talked about my playing days as much uh, in the last few seasons as as this one. But my my last play in college sports for Wesleyan was a touchdown pass with a separated throwing shoulder. I mean. You you got to get the buy-in from the guys around you, and when you're just you're sitting it out because maybe you you tweak something, you just go right. out there and do whatever you can because I can guarantee you Xavier bets at 80, 75, 80 percent. I I'm not knowledgeable on what the injury is, is better than Brody Belt. Belt going out there and trying to catch a ball on the flat. We yeah, there's, there's a jump ball at that. The five foot six, you know, jump ball. Th- there's no threat with him in the game. With Xavier yeah. Betts, a, that guy that can take the top off, you got something there. Whether he's hurt or not, send him on a, a streak route every time. He's going to get attention from the corner and the safety. It opens up more for you on offense. That's all I'm saying, man. These guys just got to want it more. Yep. So, um, that's it. Nebraska falls to two and three on the season, zero and two in conference play. Um, with 
the Northwestern Wildcats coming to town for a back-to-back night game um, and a string of three night games in a row for the Cornhuskers. So that is nice. And this will be the first uh, first game I am attending since the uh, the Iowa loss to end the 2019 season. So I am uh, I am super excited for this game to go back and attend. We're heading there together. Um, and, you know, underneath the lights, the weather is looking a little iffy. Um, look like there might be some rain showers happening um, in a day field of a lot of big games. I believe there's three top 10 matchups. Most of them are day. early, too, I think. Yeah, they're 11 a.m. games. Yeah. You got Alabama playing Old Miss. You've got Georgia playing an upstart in Arkansas. Arkansas Razorbacks are old foe from the baseball season. Um, they've managed to get a new coach who's changed the culture and got the team to rally around him. They're playing great football. Um, and Sam Pittman. So, uh, you got Georgia and Arkansas, which I believe that's where game day's at. And then you have Notre Dame and Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So I believe three, I think they're all in the top 10, if not top 12. So three matchups within the top 12 teams in the country. So Saturday is going to be an action packed day and I'm, I'm glad they're all early. That means it gives a chance to watch them. Um, you know, they're not during the Nebraska game. And then cap it off with a night game against Northwestern, who this Northwestern team is probably the worst Northwestern team that we've seen since we've been in the Big Ten. Um, not your typical Pat Fitzgerald team. They are um, – they're not very good. Um, they played – they uh, they're similar to us. They're 0-2 in conference. Um, they played Michigan State to start the uh, conference – to start the season, first game of the season. Got the doors blown off of them by them. Um, last week, they were down, I believe, 30 to nothing to Duke at halftime. Managed to kind of rally and put a put some points on the board in the second half to make it look closer. But in a day, you're down to Duke 30 to nothing at halftime. And Duke is uh, Duke is one of the worst teams in the ACC. So Nebraska's favored by 10 and a half, started at eight and a half. So the line's already went up a little bit. Um, so this, you know, knock on wood here, this should be um, this should be our first conference win of the season. If we just come out and play, I mean, if we play like we've played the last two weeks, we'll beat this team pretty handily. Even with the dog shit offensive line play, uh, we can still beat this team. Um, as long as I guess we don't get three or four kicks returned on us. Um, this should be a good game for Nebraska. Should be a good game um, at Memorial Stadium on the lights. And then, um, you know, that brings us to three and three and that's 500. And that's where, you know, like you said, that's the end goal for this season is six wins and get to a bowl game, you know, by my old saying by hook or by crook, six wins in a bowl game. Um, and then after that, we've got Michigan coming to town for a third night game in a row. So there's there's still a lot to play for. The season is not all lost. There's a lot of things left to go. There's the getting the North or the uh, Wisconsin and Iowa bugaboo off your back. The teams that you haven't beat in six plus years. Um, there's top twenty five teams coming to town. There's bowl games on the line. Um, so there's still a lot to play for in this season and still a lot of expectations. I still expect this defense to go out and be a shutdown defense, and they're going to get their chance to prove it with, uh, you know, the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, um, all coming to town. So it's uh, – Zach, what do you got? We're heading to the game Saturday. So that's – that's uh, it's been a while since I've been to a game with you, I believe. So that's exciting. Good good luck. Got? Good luck to your wife. Um Yes. Yes. Good <laughs> good luck to I know my, my mother in law's already given me the pep talk about, you know, don't act fucking crazy and yelling and shit and all this. So 
I hope you we'll told. See. I hope you told her that uh, the Huskers play on the field determines our actions on, in exactly. the stands. So um, exactly, <laughs> I, their play in the field determines my actions yep. in the stands. They can keep me in check if they just keep them in check. That's that's all. Yep. It's all gravy at that point. But <laughs> I, I'm going to make a score prediction. I don't know if you asked for it, but I'm going to do it. Shoot, uh, I'm going to go 31 10. I'm. I'm I think Ooh. if if we don't we if we don't do something like that. Um, if we don't just come out and, and impose our will on a lesser team because we've shown we can play with with the top 20 teams in the in the and not all top 20 but some of them um, yeah. we sh- we should do we, we we should do what we're supposed to do against this team especially at home we've gotten we've gotten a couple I, I don't know that Buffalo is necessarily a cupcake but we we got Fordham at home we got Buffalo at home. The rest, yep. the other three, you know, they've been away, and so that's not always easy. And so I think so. You're saying we're undefeated at home, is what you're saying? We are, and I think that's a big deal. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we'll fill that damn stadium, whether whether we yeah. deserve whether our whether this program deserves it or not. But I think uh, I think we can come out and take care of business, especially at a, a night game. The energy is going to be high, um, and you know, there's going to be there's always kind of a different crowd um at night games as opposed to an 11 drunker, kickoff. Yeah. drunker yeah, and crowd. not as many kids you know not as many old yeah. old old people there you know it's yep. more more the lively lively crowd that kind of gets after it if we can stay away from the 90s rap and actually get into something even michigan state was playing some some dope music in their stadium last right? week so they had, they had some edm music going yeah. you know it's just like so fucking, i think if we can get yeah. that environment you know electrifying and uh and we can get it do something on our first drive. I still think we always got to defer with this team because you got to put your best team on the field first. But right. I, I think uh, I think we can get get things done. Go in there and take care of business. Come out of this three and three, um, and then and then look forward to the second half of the ha- or second half of the, the season and and hopefully make some noise because we've made noise, but it's been in the wrong tone. Yeah. So yeah, um, I will take a. Uh, score as 27 13 good guys um nebraska come out and cover and you know the old saying good teams win great teams cover and uh, nebraska is four and one against the spread this season covering all the last four games so um that's it guys uh appreciate you guys listening um let's go out and get a victory get this team thing back up to 500 and uh you know rally for the second half of the season so as always gbr it'll be great This is the Big Red Revival.